Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. This week, Pascali Bergman shares her ADHD life story. Pascali is an entrepreneur, a speaker coach, and just two weeks ago, her boyfriend asked her to marry him. We're lucky to have her share that amazing moment with us today. It's a wonderful insight into the ADHD mind during a moment of absolute joy, and she opens up about what happened immediately afterwards with such honesty. I'll let the episode speak for itself. Here we go. Pascala. Thank you so much for coming on. How are you? I'm good, thank you, and thanks for having me. No, it's a pleasure. I've genuinely been looking forward to to speaking to you for a, for a long time. I think um, it's it's going to be a super interesting episode. There's so many places that we could start. I always like to start yeah. at the same place because for me it's a super interesting question. Based on your understanding of ADHD now, what is your earliest memory of displaying ADHD traits? <laughs> I think very very early on I think I was always in my own world I was just and there's even videos of this where you can see it before I knew I had ADHD um I remember playing outside with one of my dolls or something and I was just talking to the doll and my mum was sort of sitting in the back of the garden videoing me not saying anything just recording me completely in my own world. I was talking to the doll. I had a lisp as well at this time, <laughs> which made it just like, <laughs> and I sounded really weird, but I was talking to the doll and we were going to the market, which then we went to the theme park and we, we went all kinds of places, all in the same sort of five square foot. <laughs> um, but I was always gone. I was never quite there. And I think I did that for a very long time. Like when in adulthood, I wasn't properly participating in society because I was always dreaming off somewhere. And I'm, I'm still guilty of that. Like I can sit at my desk and look outside and just be gone. And I'm just living this whole other world. And I hear music, I can see colors and I'm gone. Um, and I think that's where it all started for me. Because if you look at my school reports, people say she's very bright, but she's always daydreaming. Mm. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah that sounds like me the the daydreaming is something i'm fascinated by because some of my previous guests have said similar and i think i relate to that what does the daydreaming look like if you were to describe what's going on in pascala's head (laughs) okay but i don't don't know if you want to know what goes on in my head (laughs) because it's 
much. Um, but what goes, so when I start proper daydreaming and I just go into this hyper, hyper focus, um, I, I can feel everything. And that's the best way I can describe it, which m- might sound really vague to a lot of people, but I can feel everything. I might be fantasizing about going on a hike and meeting someone there. Like, especially when I'm in love with someone, I start having all these crazy fantasies. Um, and I can just feel everything. I can feel the feeling in your tummy when you're in love. I can feel the feeling of excitement. I can feel my heart pumping. And I actually had it the other day where I was fantasizing about, I'm going to do a trip to Iceland in May. And my watch started beeping and saying, your stress levels are really high. Because I was thinking about hiking on a glacier and what could go wrong. And what if I end up down in one of those cracks and I'm stuck. And apparently I was gone for quite some while, uh, for quite a time, because my watch was like, you're stress levels are really high do you want to take a break and I was like oh this is not good this is not good for my health (laughs) so it goes really deep and I really just experience um everything that's going on in my head physically and that can sometimes be quite intense yeah it's so relatable I think we feel things a lot more intensely uh the, the love the the boredom, the, the excitement, the joy, the, the, the positives and the negatives, we we have a much more intense sensation of of feeling. That's something that is clear with speaking to guests on this podcast and how you've described it exactly with the love. It can be so intense. And with when you meet someone new, it's it's it can be so, so intense and that can, it can carry on throughout. Um, it can manifest itself yeah. in really interesting ways. And this sounds like a, a I was going to go on to this later, but it sounds like a really nice time to to talk about your recent news, which I which you told me about recently. You've just you've just yeah. been you're, you're now engaged. Uh, yes, I am an engaged woman. So for anyone listening, who thought, oh, that sounds like a nice voice. <laughs> Too bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, news. I've been officially uh, taken off the market. <laughs> <laughs> amazing how, how did how did that happen yeah um I obviously we talked about it we talked about getting engaged and I, at some point I was like we've been together so long if you're not asking anytime soon I'm gonna leave you stuff like that um and then we were just going for a walk and I was feeling awful I was not wearing any makeup which I don't do anyway a lot but in my head when I was getting proposed to and every time I fantasized about it I was properly done up right I was looking really pretty my nails were perfect but this was I had not showered hadn't even brushed my teeth but he sort of was like we need to go into town we need to go into town and I was like oh for fuck's sake okay we'll go and I just I looked like shit I really did and um he gave me a performance review I kid you not <laughs> he'd written down a performance review which he took out of his code he's like hey I've got a funny little thing to make you feel better because I've recently been very busy which then results in me just being all over the place and being really hard on myself so he's like hey this is going to cheer you up a bit so I read the performance review out loud as I do with most things that I get in front of me I always read everything out loud because otherwise I will skip things that's another thing of having ADHD for me <laughs> And I started reading it, and I've got it right here. 
And it sort of started as a bit of a joke with like following the recent period, I've conducted a thorough performance review and it says <laughs> activities like cooking, <laughs> my care and attention to the house, my um, chillness is on there, my, my levels of awesomeness and all the ratings were obviously good or outstanding. And then mm. it had a little bit of like, I couldn't be prouder of who you are and I love you so much. And therefore I want to award you the ultimate promotion. And he put his hand in his pocket and I was like, oh, he's joking. So I was like, ha funny. And then he actually went down on one knee and I was like, oh, this is happening. Cool. What do I do? And I just, I just, <laughs> I got so, it was so intense. I was just sitting there and I could only see him for a second. Like nothing else mattered. And he just looked at me and he said, will you marry me? And I thought, this isn't real. This isn't real. This isn't actually happening. And it was. And then we pulled this ring out that I didn't actually look at for another two hours because I was too excited. <laughs> um, so I was like, oh, it's actually a really nice ring. And he's like, yeah, well, I designed it. And I was like, oh, thanks. I didn't pay attention at all. My attention was everywhere but on on the ring or whatever. I was just shocked um, and completely overwhelmed. That's such a nice story. And thanks for sharing that with us it's yeah. one of those moments that is obviously going to stay with you for the rest of your life and he sounds like a very lucky man with the lists that he's the, the performance review <laughs> and what he included in, in the list he sounds like he, he's incredibly lucky to go through an experience like an engagement and to be proposed to is, is obviously a hugely extremely positively intense occasion and with your ADHD brain which amplifies uh, or can amplify sensations like that you said you were overwhelmed how, how did you cope with the the actual event yeah not very well <laughs> because in in the moment I was very happy and that happiness gets really intense right I started calling everybody that I knew and everybody who wanted to hear and didn't want to hear got told that I was engaged. I mean, the first thing we did, we went we went down for croissants and I just stepped into the coffee shop and went, I'm engaged. And people were like, good for you. <laughs> right. And I just kept telling strangers like, I'm engaged. Hi. And I kept showing my hand to people. And I was like, nobody cares because they don't know me. Um, and I sort of, but I can't help myself in that moment. It's childlike excitement where we walked into a store, like, hi, I'm engaged. <laughs> and this woman just looked at me like, congrats. <laughs> it's really, I think a lot of people found it more endearing than annoying, but I can imagine that if you're the person walking next to me, you're going like, oh, shut up, just act normal, <laughs> right? Um, and I was at an event yesterday and a couple of people had seen on LinkedIn that I'd gotten engaged because I shared it on there as well. And people kept coming up to me and it just got me so excited and I had to do a keynote. But this meant I was so extra nervous because of the excitement that was built up in my body. I was like, oh, I need to get rid of that excess adrenaline right now <laughs> because I can't actually speak. <laughs> Um, so it impaired me a bit. And then on days like today, so I'm done traveling for a couple of days. I am going to go into a little bit of an easier couple of weeks, which I really need. Um, but today I felt really down and really emotionally completely drained. Like I couldn't get up this morning. I wanted to get up at eight and I couldn't get out of bed till about 11. Um, and then I broke down on a call with someone because I, I couldn't um, regulate my emotions. 
and I couldn't understand how why I was feeling this way. And then I went on a walk and I thought, oh, it's because I've drained my emotional battery. It's it's just gone because it's been too happy. It's been too much excitement. On top of that, I've just been traveling too much and I'm very tired. And now my body has said, no, we can't deal with this because I don't just feel emotions in my brain. It's everywhere. And sometimes it just stops completely. Mm. It's amazing that you have that self-awareness to recognize that you've just been through an amazingly positive, life-changing event. One of the best, one of the most exciting yeah. moments in anyone's life. And it sounds like you went through a period of intenseness with it, running into a coffee shop and announcing it and announcing it to the world, which is a quite a natural response. I imagine I might do that. But then on the other side, you've the emotional dysregulation, which is a very much an ADHD thing, has potentially kicked in and and maybe it was too much. Maybe you went too extreme and now you're kind of crashing down the other side. Um, super interesting. Um, do you think it's possible to control that excitement and to be a bit more balanced in how you react to such, such a positive event like that? No, <laughs> it's a simple no. answer. <laughs> I don't, and I don't think you should want to, um, because it's really nice for the person who got you this excited to see you this excited, right? And it's a nice feeling to have. The fact that I can feel excitement to such a, a level and such a degree is really freeing, because in that moment, I don't care what anyone thinks. I'm not bothered with people going, who cares? I'm like, I'm the happiest person in the world. And... I think that is really important because a lot of people, especially as we grow up in society, we get told, just be normal. You know, don't go over the line ever. Don't stand out. Don't be too much of anything. And I get to be too much of everything all the time just because of who I am. And I can't stop that. However, I do wish I could regulate my emotions a couple of days after better because I know that when something like that happens something big something exciting happens that you know all bells and whistles are there and I know that a couple of days later I crash and I am emotionally drained and I get really down and depressed it's sort of like you go on this high and then you go through a mini depression and then you work up to the next high and you go to another mini mini depression and it's dealing with those mini depressions that is the hard part in my world and I wish I could deal with those better and I could give myself the space and the time to go it's okay your emotional battery is drained you just need to charge it again and give myself the space and allow myself the freedom to charge that and mm -hmm. um I'm still learning that I'm still on that journey yeah it's, it's great advice it really is and you quite rightly said you, sh you shouldn't have to stop yourself from enjoying those moments those moments come around and and they're there to be enjoyed go through them yeah. um it's having that skill i suppose to manage what does happen on the other side when the battery has run out and as you said it's perfectly fine and acceptable to to just have a couple of days off after you've been on full speed for maybe a week in excitement to just sit on the sofa for a day or two and go okay, this is the other side of it now. Ch time to recharge yeah. and, and then we can go again. So it's, yeah, super interesting and really yeah. relatable as well to hear you say that. The the relationships, and clearly you're now in the pinnacle of of that world. You know, that's it's such an exciting time for you. And ADHD and 
relationships from my experience are an interesting combination there are some <laughs> amazing positives i think to to bring into a relationship with adhd i'm keen, keen to hear your opinion on what you think the someone with adhd brings into a romantic relationship i think because we're so our eq is very high we feel emotions very intensely and I think that's really nice for the person being with you, right? They can feel that you're in love with them. <laughs> it can be quite intense, but it's better than not showing it at all. But I also think it can be quite hard for someone because my brain fires all the time and it never stops. And I can imagine that someone wants to, who is with me is like, can we, can we just hold off for that for one second? Can your brain just get out of the relationship for one second? And it, it never can because it's a part of me. And for a long time, I felt like I was never going to find someone who understands that. And I felt like I was never going to be with someone who was going to accept that that was always going to be there until I obviously met my current partner. Um, because I used to get bored all the time with people. I'd be like, cool, there's no value here. There's nothing happening here. I'm going to get out. So I used to get bored of relationships very quickly. It used to be super intense for two, three weeks, maybe even two, three months. And then I'd be like, bye, <laughs> just without <laughs> telling them. They wouldn't, they couldn't tell either that it was going down. It was just from one day to the next. I'd just be over it and I'd leave. And that's not a nice way to be because I don't think I'm a terrible person, but I'm sure those people do <laughs> because that's not a nice thing to do to someone. But I made a commitment a very long time ago that I was not going to stay in a relationship that wasn't going anywhere. So as soon as I felt like this wasn't the one, I got out and I didn't fight for anything. They were like, oh, we can we can try. And it's like, no, because I know that this isn't going anywhere. You're just not there yet. Um, mm. And I'm very glad that I did all those times, but I can imagine that it was very hard to be with me because I'm always going and it's like a, a non-stop train that never, ever stops, which I guess is what non-stop means, but hey. <laughs> I guess you have that self-awareness now to recognize when a relationship is giving you more than just the three weeks or the three months short-term excitement and yeah. you clearly have that in your current relationship what do you look for or what do you feel when you recognize that this actually could be long term yes yeah, so i i remember the moment um when i realized that this was it um i we I, we were sitting on the couch it was in covid we actually got locked down together and we've been going for two months and he asked me a really just a really weird question which is when I realized he had ADHD too. <laughs> Just by asking this question, I, was, I don't remember what it was, which I'm, it's really annoying, but it was something along the lines of, it was very personal, but also very analytical at the same time. And I was like, oh, hold on. You're crazy too. <laughs> That's what I remember thinking. You're weird too. Your brain does this too. And I got to sort of dip into his brain and he could show me his brain and I could show him my brain and we could just accept that our brains work differently and um, but are also very much part of this relationship. It wasn't just, oh, you're attractive, I'm attractive, or it wasn't just, we like the same things, we want the same things. No, we could vibe off of each other's brain and that is 
everything. I think for anyone with ADHD, you need to find someone who can accept that part of you because it's always going to be there. And it's such an important part of your life. And he started sharing his, which made me share mine. And nothing after that felt hard anymore. I didn't feel like my brain was weird anymore because there was someone else out there who had the same problems. When you were sat on the sofa during COVID, and I think that's what you said, there was he said something yeah. that, that made you realize that his brain worked the same way. Do you remember what it was that he said? No, I don't. But it was, he's just, and it was out of the blue. And we were, I think we were watching a movie or something. And it was out of the blue. And he said something about the movie, which was so... I don't want to use the word twisted because it's a negative word, but it was something that made me go, excuse me? Oh, actually, that's a good point. I just don't remember <laughs> what it was. Um, when I do, I'll let you know. But I, um, I, ju I just remember thinking, oh, your brain thinks about other things all the time, just like mine does. Mm. And that was such an, an eye opener that other people had this too. I can relate 100% with having hearing someone say something or doing something and my mind is suddenly going, oh, I think you have ADHD just based on that familiarity with how your brain works. Um, yeah. If, uh, for example, and I don't know if you're the same, but I th consider myself to have amazing or really good intuition. Do you, do you think you've got intuition you're a good judge of character you can spot when someone's maybe trying to have an agenda yeah oh absolutely i a lot of people uh I, especially i was in meetings i often get seen as a blonde girl that's people don't see more than that and um that's fine because it works at my advantage <laughs> all the time please underestimate <laughs> me um but it it makes you I don't know, that gut feeling has always been really strong and I never thought of it as intuition, but I guess it is intuition where where you just, I know when someone is going to get killed in a movie and I also know who's <laughs> going to do it. <laughs> right? I know instantly. And it's things like when we go and meet people, for example, or you're out and about and I meet this person, I go, they're bad news. And my partner sometimes goes, oh, why do you think that? And I'm like, well, this and this and this. It could be anything. It could be just the way their body language talks to me. I'm like, it's just, they're just not a good person. And he's like, oh, I had the same feeling. Let's get out of here. And that's something I sometimes, you know, I don't listen to it all the time because sometimes I think, no, maybe I'm wrong. And every time my brain proves me right. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, this is so bad. And I've learned to trust that intuition and to really go, this is just what you need to do right now. And um, following that's really hard because it means that you sometimes have to hurt people. It means that you sometimes have to explain that you can't explain. And that freaks me the hell out <laughs> like right now I'm trying to explain my intuition and I'm like I have to prove to people that I've got good intuition and I'm like but I can't explain the feeling it's just something that happens it's just something you know and you know your whole body just goes no or yes that's it that's the best thing how I can explain it people could tell me something and I'm like you're lying right now so I'm gonna get out <laughs> it literally works like that but I can't put my finger on what that is I just know that when someone sits across from me and they're talking I can just go you're full of shit I don't believe you so mm. I'm not going to work with you and I can't explain it to them <laughs> it's so interesting and so relatable again 
hearing you to say you sat in a meeting and and making the joke about not underestimating you because you're probably sat there quietly secretly analyzing every little facial expression yeah. and every little micro movement that that person does and you're instantly able to tell if they're being genuine or if they're being honest or if they've got a ulterior it ulterior motive i think it's a really powerful defense mechanism that i certainly have sounds like you certainly have a lot of people with adhd have a really heightened sense of judge of character and intuition you said earlier that you're learning to trust it or you have learned to trust it but occasionally you don't listen to it do you think that's yeah something to do with an element of of low self-esteem yeah a hundred percent because when you are very sensitive you see a lot and you see a lot of the things that aren't being said and when you're very sensitive the world just isn't a nice place frankly and i don't want to turn this into something dark (laughs) but you can see all these people and you can i can just see in the way they're standing that makes me go, I need to not go near you, or you're not being honest, or you're not even being honest with yourself. Most people don't even know that they're doing it. I had a client the other day and I just flat out had to ask him like, why are you being dishonest? And he went, I'm not. I was like, well, you're saying one thing, but your body language is saying something else. So either you can tell me the truth or I'm gonna go and leave because I can't work with you this way. And people find that very scary, right? When you confront them with it. So low self-esteem is a big part of those feelings because sometimes I go, what if I just think that they're a bad person because it makes my life easier, right? Because it makes me go, oh, then I don't have to interact with them. (laughs) So I'm always afraid of being disappointed. I'm always afraid of them seeing right through me. And I don't even know what they would see, Like, but I'm always thinking I'm a fraud, always. Whenever I go anywhere, I'm like, people are going to find out I'm full of shit. And even though I know what I'm talking about, I know what I'm doing. I have a degree to prove it. (laughs) I still feel like they're going to think that I'm full of shit. And that's why it's easier for me to go, you're probably just not a nice person or you're probably lying. And sometimes I try to challenge that intuition to by just going and doing it anyway but then it proves me right and I'm like okay I'm still not crazy fantastic I can just go and live my life the way I I have to and it depends on how emotionally charged I am in that moment of time like right now I'm having one of the down days the mini depression days which means that feeling will will kick in a lot quicker and I need to be careful with that. So I need to not judge people too quickly or judge situations too quickly right now. When I'm doing really well, that's easier to navigate. So again, it has everything to do with your emotional battery because if it isn't charged, you're gonna struggle making those decisions and listening to the intuition at the right moments in time. Because I feel like you do need to challenge it at some points in time to to see what else is out there because otherwise, (laughs) <laughs> I think you'll end up not speaking to very many people. <laughs> mm. I guess there's an internal battle between your, your intuition, which is clearly very good, and then what I think you were alluding to earlier, which is imposter syndrome. Mm. The internal thinking that you're going to get caught out at any moment and someone's going to point you point to you and say, Pascala, you're not as you're not qualified to do what you're doing, or 
you know yeah. you're not meant to be doing that when in fact you are meant to be doing this so you've got that intuition which is sounds like it's always turns out to be correct so that yeah. should give you the evidence to believe in yourself in the future however there's a powerful force as well which is the imposter syndrome which is constantly pulling you the other way as well and that sometimes yeah. wins and makes you ignore the intuition 100 percent, and that's it's hard because you want to trust that unconditionally right you just go i know this is right in my brain i can think this is right but what if it's not and it's trusting yourself to make the right decisions and that part oh that <laughs> it can really pull you apart and it can keep me up at night i'm a good sleeper but when these things aren't aligned i can't sleep and all i can do is think about it and i can worry about one meeting with a person of which i'm just unsure and i've made this mistake in my business for example where i was in conversation with someone and i kept saying to my partner to my now fiance hey uh, i kept saying <laughs> this isn't right i don't think this is the right decision this isn't right but i was at the start of my business and i needed money so i went for it anyway and i'm paying for it now because it was an utter joke <laughs> so <laughs> It's, if I'd only trusted that, and then you start sort of blaming yourself and you go into this really deep, dark hole of, why don't you just trust yourself? You should have just trusted yourself. You wouldn't have had this problem right now. But it also teaches me that, especially within my business, that's an unconditional feeling. If I feel that someone comes to me and they want to work with me and they say, yeah, we want to go for it. And I'm like, mm, you don't feel right. I'm not doing it anymore. But I had to learn that and I had to, Learn that in a very expensive way. <laughs> mm. Well, it's a powerful tool to have in your arsenal as a self-defense yeah. mechanism and to spot the wrong ends and to spot the bad people and, and to have that barrier up when you do spot them. You mentioned earlier that you're having a, a bad day today. Uh, I think you said a, de a depressive day. Um, are you okay? Yeah. Firstly, you're, you're okay? I'm okay. Yeah, no, it's what what we talked about earlier. It's just been a couple of days of huge, huge excitement. And today is, is the first day after that where I can actually calm down. And then I can just let everything, everything just comes over me. And it weighs really heavy. So this morning when I woke up, I can just feel like there's like this cloud around my head. And I'm just like, whoa, I don't know what's going on. Where normally mm. I'm really focused and I can see everything. And I have absolutely no drive to do anything Whilst normally on a normal day, I am doing 15 things before breakfast, right? And I've closed two deals and I've coached someone. I've flown halfway <laughs> across the world. And now I was like struggling to get myself into the shower. And I was texting my fiance and I was saying, hey, I'm, I'm not doing well. And he's like, oh, what can I do? I was like, well, you can't do anything about it. That's the problem. That's the hard part. Already let it go too far. So now I just need to go through it. And then I can come out on the other end. And normally that's mm. okay by the end of the day. I just go do what I need to do. Um, but it's definitely that empty battery <laughs> that is just going crazy because we've had all this excitement. We've had lots of travel. I know I've got a day off coming up tomorrow. So my body is sort of like, okay, we can relax now. And just, it feels like you've got so many plates in the air and now boom, they're all fallen and I'm picking up the pieces and then I can spin them again. But that's my life. It's spinning lots and lots of plates, feeling lots and lots of things, mm. 
falling down, getting them together, gluing them together, which takes a couple days, which is those two day, two three days off, and then spinning them again and holding them up for a long time. And that's mm. the um, I think that's for a lot of people with ADHD, their life goes like that. It's mini depressions and massive highs <laughs> that you're going through. So it's peaks and troughs. Is that how you say it? Troughs um, that we have to experience and. I think it's learning how to navigate the intensity of that. That is the goal of my mm. life. <laughs> Absolutely. Peaks and troughs and essentially burnout and accepting that it's a completely normal part of who we are. I used to ask my guests, which I don't do anymore, what tips do you have for pulling yourself out of the bad days? That was one of my questions which i thought was really good and would be really helpful but actually i think it's not very helpful because it's having that self-awareness to know that you don't need to do anything when you're having a bad day you don't need to pull yourself out of it because it's a consequence of the good days and to not be too hard on yourself when you're having these bad days it's fine to sit on the sofa in your pjs and watch tv you don't need to pull yourself up and go for a run or meditate or do all of these things that you've read on the internet might help. I mean, maybe they work for some people, but you don't have to. It's okay to just do nothing and have an off day. Absolutely. And it's okay to just allow yourself to feel like that, allowing Mm. yourself to have those days and just let it be which is all you can do in that moment because it's not going to pass any quicker if you start doing lots of things. People go, oh, go for a walk, go do this. It's like, yeah, sometimes just sit on the couch, eat the bag of Doritos, don't (laughs) blame yourself, forgive yourself that this is just your brain and this is what it needs right now. Embrace that and allow that to happen because if you start fighting against it, I think that's when it gets dangerous because that's when we... Mm might go for a drink and oh yeah I'll go out anyway and that's when you start making wrong decisions and that's very damaging to your mind and to your body and you know if you do that for a longer period of time to everyone around you as well great advice really great advice have you ever self-medicated I suppose or reached for dopamine in unhealthy ways I think so my um background is a musical theater And when you're on stage, that's a dopamine hit on its own, right? When you're on stage, everybody's applauding you and you're standing there as the center of attention. That does, gives you a lot of dopamine. But what happens when you get home, you go through this mini depression every day because you've just been on top of the world and then you come home, you're alone and you're a nobody again. And it's, that was very hard to go through every day. And when I then moved into the corporate world, I never... I used to sing, I used to make music, or I will make something, I will create something. That's what gives me dopamine. I've never had to go to alcohol or drugs or anything. I once tried um, to smoke marijuana. (laughs) It's not a great experience. Do not recommend. My brain went so quiet. I just wanted to scream. It was the most horrible experience of my life. I'm never doing it again because suddenly I couldn't think at all. And most people say that's the the beauty of it. I was like, no, I still want to think. It would just sometimes be nice if the thoughts are structured. That would be great. If if someone invents something like that, I'm the first one waving the flag. But that <laughs> doesn't exist. So I I for me it really works to do one thing. 
just do one thing. So not watching TV and doing something at the same time. I will, like, I like to do embroidery, like the grandma that I am. Um, but I'll make embroidery. And every time I finish a piece, I feel a, sen a sense of accomplishment. And because I've just been focusing on that one thing, it helps me to get that dopamine hit and to feel good again. It's the same when I go for a hike. If I hike up a hill or if I hike quicker than I did the day before, I like mini challenges like that, uh, but I need to only do that. I need to not be listening to a podcast at the same time. Just walk one foot in front of the other. Just paint a painting and finish one color, for example. That is what helps me get that brain focused and calm down. Mm. It sounds like you've got a huge amount of self-awareness to know the little tasks that you do that keeps you in a flow of dopamine in a healthy, balanced way, rather than coming home from the theatre and crashing after the huge dopamine rush after the curtain shut. And then you're just yeah. at home and maybe you'd reach for dopamine in unhealthy ways. But to have that self-awareness is really amazing to to have just little I mean, it took a long sides. time <laughs> it took a long time don't worry i made a lot of mistakes a... for a long time i i sought validation in other people so i used to go mm. out and i used to take someone home every other night that's not a healthy way of doing it like i didn't do alcohol and drugs i used other people and mm. that was a fun time in my life but looking back i was just someone who was just trying to keep that feeling of I'm the center of attention alive. And that's just not a healthy thing. Now I like it that I can be my own center of attention. I can find that feeling of I'm, it's okay for me to be here and I am loved and having that self-love is really important to, to help you navigate that dopamine hit that you're constantly trying to find. It's really inspiring to hear where you are now and uh, okay maybe you've had to like all of us had to learn the hard way but to hear that yeah. you've gone through various bits and bobs and now you have that self-awareness to know how to manage it in a positive way is, is amazing. When was yeah. ADHD first mentioned or did it first come into your sphere of consciousness in your life? So ADHD was a it was a thing when we were younger because we had boys in our class and I was like, oh, they've got ADHD because they're difficult. <laughs> and <laughs> I used to think it was only for boys. Only boys could have ADHD. And um, I, I would just remember thinking, sitting in school and thinking, geez, my brain is so busy, but it's probably normal. It's probably what everybody feels. Then I went into um, secondary school, high school, and uh, I got bullied severely and I barely went to school the last two years in Holland the um, secondary school is five years I barely went for the last because the bullying got quite bad but also I didn't see the point because oh, I just could I just didn't see the point in going it was so incredibly boring everything took so long I was like I'll just read the textbook and I'll be fine and then I went to study um, musical theatre which was great because I was finally amongst people that liked the same things but still I did not fit in because I was always thinking about five other things whilst they were focusing on one thing and I could tell that I was always quite somewhere else and they couldn't quite grasp me which made them there was it was not distrust or anything like that but they could feel that I wasn't quite there 
And then I started doing my masters in the UK and one of my classmates came up to me and she was talking about the fact that she had ADHD. And I was like, that's not possible. Only boys can have ADHD. <laughs> and she said, no, it's something everybody can have. And my mom had mentioned it a couple of times, like, oh, maybe we have ADHD. And I was like, maybe, I don't think that's a thing. And I, when she told me that she had diagnosed ADHD, I was like, I need to look into this stuff. And I started doing research online and I called the doctor. I was like, I would like to do a test. So they, they did one of those tests and they're like, oh yeah, you've got ADHD hundred percent. I was like, oh, but I'm not a difficult person. <laughs> they're like, ADHD is not for difficult people. But ADHD just means that your brain works differently. That's all that it means. And it comes out in many different ways. And for you, that's what they said to me, it more likely comes out in organizational things. So you're either in a hyper-focus or everything gets left behind. I was like, oh yeah, that sounds like me. <laughs> and that's how I you know, came to know about it. And now my whole family has been diagnosed. <laughs> Your whole family? In the meantime. Wow. <laughs> Yeah. So you've gone through quite a, yeah. quite a process of discovery as a family. You've all got ADHD. That's, that's, that's fascinating. How was the assessment process for you? It was fine. I just remember thinking, why do I have to answer all of these questions? That's all I could think about. <laughs> I was like, I've already answered this. Because what they did, they asked the same question, but in a different way to check if you're not answering it wrong or whatever. And I was like, you've already answered this. And she was like, just keep keep asking, keep answering. <laughs> I was like, okay, whatever. So I was doing all these exercises and all these tests and um, yeah, it came out big fat hit. <laughs> but I just, I just remember thinking, why am I answering the same question two or three times? It just seemed so stupid. Um, but yeah. apparently that's what everybody with ADHD thinks <laughs> when they're doing these tests. So they came back and they said, big fat hit. You've definitely got ADHD. And how did that make you feel? I mean, I suppose when some people, when they get the diagnosis a little, they can feel relieved. They can feel a little bit frustrated that it wasn't picked up. Did you go through any, any emotions when you got told you had it? No, I just thought, duh. <laughs> That's what I at that point <laughs> i was like we, we already knew this didn't we now i've got proof great it didn't do yeah. much for me i i'm still me it's not going to change anything there's no cure thank god there is no cure actually but no I, I didn't think anything about it i was like cool she's like do you want medication and i said no are you crazy and um that was the end of it that was it <laughs> No, I mean, what exactly? You get a bit of paper and you find out that you've got ADHD and that your your suspicions are true. And then so what? You know, yeah. nothing, nothing really changes. You carry on living your life yeah. as, as you were before. Uh, with, I guess, a little bit Literally. more context, I suppose. For me, anyway, going in from looking back into my past, there was some, it helped a little bit to understand why certain things happened. But yeah, like you, I, I, I wasn't keen to explore medication i'm i'm very happy i like the way my mind works it's not something you want to explore either is that right no not at all i no. the idea that my brain will go quiet for a day whew, no that's not for me um my partner is on medication he's got adhd as well and um he he it works for him he's got it in different ways so he really can't think some days it's just too much and the impulses are too much i still can 
you know, calm myself down in a certain way that works for me. Um, but for him, it just doesn't work and that's fine. So he does medicate from time to time and then he stops for a while and it gets worse and you can just see him doing lots of different projects at the same time. And then it gets too much <laughs> and he goes back on the medication. So it's this loop. He knows this is happening, but I don't think he would like to change it because in the time that he's not on medication, he gets so many things done and he can get so many different impulses from so many different sides of anything. Um, and then when he goes back on the medication, he can focus all of that energy on one thing. So I think for him, it works for me. Absolutely not. I like my brain. I like how I can disappear and just be in my own world. I like how I can do things really quickly, um, much quicker than other people, which makes me really happy because everything is a competition in our house. <laughs> um, so no, I would never, uh, never look for medication. Do you think there's anything that you do do subconsciously or consciously to medicate your ADHD or to alleviate some of the the weaknesses and and increase the chances of the positives coming through? Any routines that you do in the morning, any things that you do day to day that are helping you manage your ADHD? Oh yes, I I've learned that routine is crucial for people with ADHD even though I really don't like it. <laughs> it's what I need. So I get up at the same time every day, also on the weekends. And I don't just start with my phone because that is just boom, input. And I'm stuck, right? Because as soon as I get that phone out, I'm not moving for the next two hours. <laughs> so <laughs> I read a book or something. I, I try to wake up my mind slowly, but nine times out of 10, I've dreamt about something intense and then I'll just lay there for like 30 minutes thinking about what I dreamt about <laughs> or what I dreamed about. Is that how you say it? Um, and then, you know, I, I work out every day if I can, because it helps me get rid of all the excess energy that's always in my body. And if I can't work out, that makes me anxious. So then I at least go for a walk or I try to, I tried the meditating thing. It doesn't work. It's horrible. It makes my mind go absolutely crazy. Um, so I try to make, do some kind of movement, even if it's just a quick stretch. And then I write down what I need to do that day. And then I use like a triage <laughs> system of red, yellow, and green. So I go, the red things have to get done today. If they don't, the world will go up in flames. And that's literally what I tell myself. And part of me believes that. So I go and focus on that stuff. Then the yellow things are, would be nice to get done today, but if we have to carry it over to tomorrow, we can make that work. And the green stuff is, if you really have nothing else to do, you can work on that. Now you can imagine that the stuff on the green list is there for years, literally years. It can be there for a very, very long time. <laughs> it's not like calling the doctor. Sometimes it takes me three to four months to call the doctor um, or doing my taxes, stuff like that. Like it just takes me ages. And then I do all of the green stuff on one day. I might wake up on a Sunday morning anxious about my green list and go, shit, 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 shit. And I go and do everything. <laughs> And I feel great afterwards and I feel like a new person and I'm like, next time I'm going to stay on top of it. And I don't. And I know I don't. But still, I try to make the commitment. <laughs> um, yeah. Wow. Super interesting and really useful for anyone listening. And uh, the meditation thing, I 100% agree, is something I've tried and 
not succeeded at. I just can't understand how to silence my mind. But the movement is totally relatable. Um, movement is the way for me and, and for you by the sounds of it. Um, with your career, it's interesting. You've gone into speaker, speaking coaching. How do you think ADHD helps you in that career? So because obviously I started my own business, I've got a feeling that a lot of people with ADHD start their own business. And I don't know if that's because we just don't function well within a corporation, <laughs> because we work <laughs> a bit different. <laughs> we're, you know, I think we're people who are good on their own because we we work in a very specific way, right? I Some things I do a lot quicker than other people. Some things that are very easy for other people take me days, weeks, months, years. So I always say I'm a terrible employee. I'm not saying all ADHD people are, but I am definitely a terrible employee. I really hope that I will never have to work for someone again and that they never hear this. Because this is going to be terrible. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, I just want what I did. I saw a lot of people saying a lot of things that just weren't real. And I was like, why are you speaking like that? They were saying things because their boss told them to say it like that. They were saying things because, oh, that's just the process. And I was like, cool. Why aren't you speaking with what's actually in your heart? Right? Because I always speak from the heart and I always speak with emotion. This is why some people don't like sitting across from me because they're like, Whew, wow, you're a lot. I'm like, yeah, but at least you know what you've got in me. And I felt that a lot of people in corporate just... I just were being zombies and I wanted to help people do a better job with that and my ADHD helped me to get everything set up really quickly and to just start doing it so I <laughs> I remember thinking I need to build a website and I need to have a brand and whatever and I started doing all of that shit hated everything dumped it and started over again three months in <laughs> so <laughs> I thought, well, signing clients, doing absolutely fine because I was just selling what I did as a person. I was just selling essentially me, time with me. And people were like, cool, I would like to learn how to speak like you. So we'll, we'll do that. So I learned that actually all the branding, all the website stuff, it didn't matter that much. What mattered was how I positioned it. And with my ADHD, I, I get a lot of people coming up to me going, I'm really nervous about public speaking or I'm terrible at storytelling or I'm terrible at adding emotional value to my messaging. And I can tell where that comes from really quickly. I can go, oh, is that because of this and this? Or do you also struggle with that? And they go, oh my God, yes. And they finally feel heard. And that's what makes people go, yeah, I'll sign up. They don't care that my website's shit. They don't care that my proposal deck looks like a three-year-old made it because they feel that I understand them. And I think that it's that sense of my um, my feelings monitors are just always on and I can just feel what they need. Even though we're on a screen, I can still tell like, oh, that's what's going wrong. Cool, I can help them with that. And that's really nice. Um, and on top of that, I can do a lot of things that take a lot of people a lot of time. I can just go and do it because most people get really scared about building a business. And a lot of people tell me, you're so brave for starting your business. And I'm like, yeah, it's got nothing to do with bravery. It's got everything to do with the fact that my brain is on fire and I just need to get it out. <laughs> That's all it is. 
so relatable so relatable the starting the business thing and just not not having time in your mind to think about the fear because it's just something you have to get out you have to act yeah. on that thought you have to do it um and yeah so relatable I, I i interviewed a speaker coach called barbara rogoski a couple of weeks ago and she her. was saying she fascinating woman incredible and she was saying her her what makes her such a good speaker coach is that because she, she gets bored so easily if you can keep barbara entertained then you're gonna keep what you know a traditional audience entertained um do you kind oh, of yeah. see that in your coaching as well yeah and i see it with when i speak on stage myself so i i also speak at events and stuff like that and i spoke yesterday at an event and people came up to me and they're like i've never been i've never felt like i needed to speak keep my attention span with someone <laughs> because you go quick but it's a good <laughs> pace and I was like yeah I guess that and I was thinking about this podcast on the train home and I was like yeah actually as a speaker or as a storyteller or anything like that I my pace is really quick and because I don't feel like me to spend a lot of time talking about one thing sometimes it goes over people's heads and I need to go shit that was a bit too quick and they didn't have enough I, I need to build more of the world for them. But most people get things really quickly. We often get told in sales and, you know, in these corporate training, like, you need to assume people are dumb. And it's like, no, people are a lot more intuitive than we think. They just don't know it. But I can play with that because I'm really intuitive. So if I go at my pace and just add two minutes on top of everything... Well, we're fine. We're absolutely fine. So it was really nice to hear that people felt like it was actually exciting to keep their attention span with what I did because they actually had someone standing there who wasn't just trying to explain everything 10, 15 times to them in different words. And I do the same with my clients. I get to, I, you know, we go quite quick through everything. And I'm like, wow, we got so much done in an hour. And I'm like, yeah, that's because we don't spend time doing nothing here. I'm not going to explain it five times. If you get it, you get it. You just need to go and do it. That's all. So I, I relate to Barbara and I know Barbara. She's amazing. I've seen some of her stuff. She's absolutely fantastic. Oh, she'll be thrilled to hear that. And it's fascinating. And I think that's a really, really nice place to to end the conversation as well. Thank you so much for coming on and for giving up your time. And again, congratulations on the Huge news for the engagement. That's so exciting. And uh, I look forward to seeing what the future holds. Where can people find you if they want to find you online? Yeah, so I'm mostly on LinkedIn because the rest of social media freaks me out. Um, so if you just type in my name, Pascala Bergmans, you can find me there. I would say go to my website, but it's shit. So don't <laughs> just go and follow my content on LinkedIn. It's much better. I'm on there every day. So if people want to have a chat about ADHD or how to manage it or just learn more, then that's where they can find me. Amazing. Thank you so much. It's been fascinating. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thanks for having me. 
dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.